Hey, what's up, guys? On this episode of the Foresight Podcast, I actually get to spend a little, well, it's not just me. It's me and Lamar Harris, a.k.a. DJ Nooney, a.k.a. the producer of the show, a.k.a. the super producer. Uh, a lot of AKAs. Anyway, we get to spend a lot of time with a living creative legend, basically. Um, so without further ado, let's get into the episode and let's have a good conversation with the lovely and talented Cy Smith. Let's go. a skill among skills among skills so many skills <laughs> uh i gotta stop messing with him about that uh, welcome everybody welcome to the foresight podcast my name is david gordon and i am your host i'm also known on the internets as at dkg72 that's uh my screen name on instagram and uh youtube and the twitters and all that good stuff and um uh, Got a special show for you guys today, a special pod. I'm really excited about this guest. Um, she's just an amazing, amazing human being. I was looking at her accolades and I was just like, wow, like, wow, all the time with stars in my eyes, like star eyes. So uh, before we get started, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get started, uh, let's do the usual house cleaning. Uh, first off, I want to say shout outs and thank yous to all of our fans and listeners. Yes. Uh, all four, five, six, ten hundred of you, wherever you are. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> um, I would also uh, just like to thank um, the person that helped put this podcast together. And, of course, the person that is producing our show, super producer Lamar Harris. Who's fidgeting with cameras and stuff? He's, you know, doing his Lamar Harris stuff. Say hi to the camera, Lamar. That's me with ten jobs. Lamar has ten jobs. Yes, he does. We all have ten jobs. We all we we do a lot of juggling. Yes, we do. So, um, and for again for today's show, we have um someone with way more accolades than I've ever even thought to collect in my life. Um. <laughs> And uh, we, we we just want to have a good conversation with her. Uh, this podcast is about how creatives do the things that they do so well. How do they create that song? How do they make that movie? How do they draw that drawing? So without further ado, we're going to get into the how with uh, the beautiful and lovely Miss Cy Smith. Say hi. Cy Smith. Hi. <laughs> that was a really kind introduction. Thank you for that. Oh, no problem, no problem. Uh, Sai, we're going to get right started right off. Let's, uh, just, let's just hear your superhero origin story. Let's find out a little bit more about you. Wow, my origin story. I've never <laughs> thought of myself in terms of being a superhero. <laughs> I think my origin story is kind of um, boring, but I'll tell it to you anyway. Um, I was born in New York mm -hmm. City, and... Um, 
and then my family, my mom moved down to DC um, fairly early, you know, so I was raised in DC, in and around DC. Um, and uh, shoot, what do you want to know? Like, <laughs> I, I was one of those kids that always loved music. I've mm -hmm. never really, uh, I don't remember any time in my life when I didn't have a um, peculiar uh, attraction to music. It was deeper than most of my friends, you know, okay. at, from a very young age. And, um, and I've always been sort of the, the family performer, not the family singer, but the performer. I was always the person in the family who would get up and, and tell jokes or imitate other people in the family. Um, so I was, and I was always sort of an, uh, uh, you know, an orator, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I was always that person in the family. But singing was something that uh, I sort of did in the closet and didn't really let people know I could do until, um, until later. And by later, I mean like, you know, third or fourth grade, but that's kind of late for a singer. Most singers are, you know, at two years old already, you know, chopping it up with the best of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then I, 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 but I did um, have piano lessons um, and, and, and begged for those uh, for private lessons. By the time I was eight, I started in piano. So everybody knew I was a musician. I just don't think everybody knew how serious I was about it until, you know, until probably until college when I decided not to go to grad school. <laughs> so you would say you're more of a creative jack of all trades then? Um, I don't know that I would call myself a jack of all trades. What I am is a person who loves telling stories. And however I have a, a vehicle to tell stories, I'll mm -hmm. use it. So whether that's as a singer or whether that's as a songwriter or whether that's as an actor, um you know however i can tell a story i'm gonna tell it you know what whatever vehicle uh, or or way is is uh is a, a you know given to me i'll take it i mean your music definitely does speak of and tell stories and takes us on like a lot of different musical journeys which is like uh, for a lot of artists that's kind of rare you know to be able to like holds one attention from like start to finish that just makes you kind of like get lost in the vibe of the story and then you like man the, the music combined in with the the visuals and everything you just take us on these great musical journeys so just just out of curiosity like what like when you're creating and telling these stories, like what, what are you pulling this inspiration from? Uh, first, thank you. Thank you for that. Those kind words. I really appreciate that, man. <laughs> um, I pull my inspiration from wherever, you know, like wherever it just naturally comes from. Sometimes I don't even know that I was inspired by something until the song comes to me. And then I go, what, what would make me write a song about Lake Erie? You know, and I'll have to think back on, oh, yeah, oh, that time I was up there, blah, 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 you know. Um, so, you know, I'm inspired by all kinds of things. Sometimes, though, it doesn't hit me until much later that that was the inspiration, you know. Like, sometimes a rose will grow in concrete. You know, I hadn't thought of the Tupac book for years, you know, mm -hmm. but obviously, you know, his words and Maya Angelou, you know, the those words inspired me, but I hadn't read them for years, you know? So 
I think just sort of being um, brought up in a home that was full of art and full of books and full of, you know, all of those. My mother really had me reading a lot of books and she really had me reading like Sonia Sanchez and Nikki Giovanni and, oh, wow. and The Last Poets at a very young age, you know. <laughs> I've always been into words and, and, and just language, you know, um, and fell in love with that at a really young age, you know. So yeah, I'm inspired by by all of those things, um, and just sometimes just inspired by analogies and and the relationships between things that nece aren't necessarily people, but you know, just things in nature. You know, um, like the 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 concept of flowers being uprooted from the ground and and put in somebody's house just to make the house look better is an interesting concept to me, you know, because mm -hmm. imagine being pulled up from your field, you know, and all the roots that you had connected to other beings like you and just all of a sudden being pulled up and put in a vase in, in somebody's house. Like, you know, that happened to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, so sometimes I'm inspired by, by, by nature or just, you know, things that don't seem like they have anything to do with us as people, but they do, you know? You're just an aspiring artist. I, I, I will admit, early in this interview, I saw someone and their husband doing a reality TV show, and that just kind of like made me like go out and buy all this, spend all this damn money that I just like, God dang it. I was watching Cy Smith do television. I'm like, I think I want to do some television too. So, so. <laughs> I, I watched the whole show. I was like, man, they're doing a live broadcast. This is like Saturday Night Live. <laughs> like he, he's dressed up playing multiple roles. Where do you want to go? And you sit there, where? I was like, man, this is this is cool. So, a, so, I love Lucy vibe. It, it was. You watched our variety show? Yes, I did. That's what spawned me to actually go by these cameras. Oh, wow, that's a trip. I got to tell my husband, that's a trip. <laughs> so, so how did you, like, get into, like, like acting? Like, what just inspired you to just want to go ahead and act and do do something um, like that? You know, that's a good question. Because in high school, I wasn't necessarily the musical theater kid. My high school didn't really have, we had a musical theater, but it was very much sort of run by the white kids, and, and the black kids mm. were 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 very much not felt so welcome, mm -hmm. I'll say. I did one production in high school and, and I didn't do anything after that with them. Um, and that would have been the end of my acting had I not, you know, just tried out for a play, you know, after I finished at Howard, I tried out for a play um, and, and it opened in Los Angeles and I got the part. And, and that's what moved me to L.A. was acting, not music. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that play ended, I, saw, I, I got right back into music because that's really what I came out here for. Um, but I ended up sort of getting an opportunity again to, to do some acting. And, you know, in L.A., I wound up doing a show called Ally McBeal where it was, I was singing and acting, but... Um, that really introduced me to the world of television as far as an act, an actor goes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got an agent and I started going out for commercials and I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I got this acting thing I can do. Um, and, and then I got with a, another playwright 
you know, a couple of years down the line, I guess, um, named Michael Ajakwe. He's he's since passed away, but I did three productions with him here in Los Angeles, and I think we took one of them to D.C. to the Warner Theater. But but working in his productions reminded me again, like, oh yeah, I really love this. Like, why why do I keep you know jumping out of it? But it's one of those things. I'm not one of those people who can really multitask. Like, if I'm in music, I have to be in it full fully and totally. And if I'm acting, I can only really do that, you know? Um, and that acting is one of those things where you kind of have to be in LA, you know, cause you gotta be here for auditions and that kind of thing. And so I kept leaving town cause I was on the, on the road all the time. So my agent, you know, at the time was like, we're gonna have to drop you, you know, cause you're never here for auditions. And I was like, okay, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I just went back into music, but, um, but I'm about to get back into acting. I just got a new agent. Yay. You, you guys are the first ones to hear that. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Exclusive. Um, World <laughs> premiere. World premiere. Exclusive. Um, and being married to an actor and a director um, has reminded me how much I really love acting because we, we sit around and talk about this kind of stuff all day, you know, breaking down scripts and you know and i help him with his auditions and 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 you saw the variety show you know there's, mm -hmm. that's he writes all those sketches and you know we just do them and we have a good time and um and yeah it's just one of those things i'm always like in the back of my head like yeah i don't know <laughs> i think i might <laughs> i might put the mic down and just you know pick up the script <laughs> Well, before you put the mic down, let's let's talk about your musical career. And I was looking at it as long and illustrious. Um, what was it like when you first got started professionally with as being a, a professional singer and traveling? And what 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 was what was all of that like? When I first got started, um, I moved out here. Okay, so like I said, I was in a play. The play ended, and then I got back up with my fellow Howard friends who lived here in LA and I had a good friend named Gordon Campbell. Um, and at the time Gordon was, he just became the music director for a, a new artist named Kenny Lattimore. Mm -hmm. And Gordon was like, Hey, do you want to sing backups for Kenny Lattimore? Well, you know? And so I was like, cool. All right. And so I got the gig. Um, and, and that was my very first tour, you wow. know, and it was dope because everybody in the band, I mean, you guys would know who they are now, but you know, back then they were all new to me, you know, and it was like the best band experience. Everybody treated me like a little sister. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole bunch of shenanigans going on. Kenny Lattimore is a gentleman. So, you know, it kind of goes from the top down, you know, and I learned, you know, very early on how things should be, you know, um, and from that experience, I think I always sort of you know, went to situations that were excellent and demanded excellence, you know? Um, so after Kenny, I got the op opportunity to audition for Whitney Houston and it wasn't like something I had planned. I was really just picking up my girlfriend from her audition and she was like, hey, Ricky, you should hear Cy, she's dope too. And he was like, okay, let's hear it right now. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I'm on, you know? Wow. On the spot. <laughs> and he auditioned me right, right there on the spot, you know? Um, and and he was like, okay, cool. You know, when we need a soprano, I'll give you a call. And I was like, okay. And I didn't think he was ever going to call me. Like, what? who would ever leave? Why would y'all need a soprano? Who's going to leave the Whitney Houston gig? Well, it turned out that I think Luther Vandross was going back on the road. So his singer, 
who was also singing with Whitney went back with him. Oh. I think that's what happened. Oh, I think. wow. Um, so, so an opportunity opened and I got the call and, you know, and I next, you know, that was my second professional gig, you know, was Whitney Houston. Uh, and my first show with her was live on HBO at Constitution Hall in my hometown of DC. And I had only been gone not even a year. And here I am coming back home singing with Whitney Houston. So it was a, it was like a victory lap for me, you know. Well, that's um, a victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a definite <laughs> was, victory lap. It was, a, it was definitely a victory lap. But, you know, being able to work with musicians, I've always sort of considered myself a part of the band anyway. Um, it was never my intention to come out here and be a recording artist. You know, mm -hmm. I played in a go-go band and, and I sang in an acapella group and I was never really like the lead singer. Like that wasn't my bag, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so so I learned a lot from the band experiences and, and I sort of um, became really good friends with your, you know, Paul Jackson Jr. and Herman Jackson and, and Ricky Minor and Michael Baker and, you know, all of those guys. Like. I, I became friends with the cats because that's who I wanted to be, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and the recording artist part, part happened really only because um, my songwriting demo that I was trying to pass around and, and get people to hear for my songwriting so I could get a publishing deal, everybody thought that was like a recording artist demo. And that's how I kind of <laughs> got roped into the recording artist thing. But wow. that wasn't my intention first at all. I mean, even a lot of people don't realize that you actually like play too. Uh, I noticed when when you came here to St. Louis, you know, we we were sitting in the rehearsal, and and Bud, the bass player, Charles has a great ear, and you started calling out the notes, and he was like, "Oh, like she played those? Yeah, she played." <laughs> and and even on your last album, you actually like played like and did did actually some of the producing of some of the the songs on the album and stuff. I produced the whole album, yeah. That is correct. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, and I play a little bit. Um, I'm not as good as I wish I, you know, as I, as I should be, but, you know, I get it. I can get it done. And that really has um, helped me, I think, in terms of keeping, keeping my own sort of sound, you know. Um, I didn't go to Howard for music. You know, as much as I probably would have liked to, you know, I studied psychology, but I think a part of me, if I had studied music, would, I would probably be a different type of songwriter, because I mm -hmm. think as far as chord progressions go um, and things like that, um, I would probably be more attuned to what the, the sort of rules and theories kind of say, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think I write in such a sort of clumsy way progression wise that is to, to other people it sounds like oh that's interesting <laughs> but, but it's organically cool because like i ain't gonna lie your, your your key bass game is real i was like yeah oh thank you <laughs> thanks a lot i have fun doing that when i can i wish i could do it more <laughs> so when you're writing songs um what is that process like what where, what do you do? Like, do you just get the inspiration and then you just write it down, jot it down on some paper, you type it out? Or how does that go? How do you, how do you go about that? It really depends. Like, sometimes I write to a track that somebody has sent me. Um, and usually I just try to hear the spaces in the track and hear where, hear where a melody should kind of fall, you know? Um, 
and then sometimes I'm, I write at the piano, um, like you said, you know, and, and in those times, I'll just sort of sit and let my fingers just kind of be on the keyboard until something happens, you know, and, and whether it's a melodic line or, or some chords. And then I'll just kind of sing the first thing that comes to me, because I think that's usually the most honest thought. Um, and usually when that happens, if something comes to me that's sort of like, oh, that's interesting, I'll just run with it, you know, and just let the words kind of come. And even if the words don't necessarily come out fully formed, mm -hmm. you know, they might just be syllables, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't want to live in the house. There's enough for me. You know, I'll kind of hear some words mm -hmm. and, and I'll let the rest of fall into place. And then, you know, eventually I'll sit and write it down and see what that was or see what it should be, you know, and until it all works out until uh, to a fully form, formulated thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I try not to edit too much because usually if I start editing, in terms of lyrics too mm -hmm. much it starts to become synthesized but if i if i kind of let it fall you know except for editing for like rhythm or something like that if i have way too many syllables you know in a phrase or something right. but i try not to edit thought too much you know because those end up being the, the purest you know the most authentic you know um, yeah even if i you know like sometimes it's like weird words will come to me like who says <laughs> a muck who says run a muck in a song I, I, I use them up no. uh, a couple times. I've actually used it recently. My grandma used to say, "Can we run a muck?" Yeah. Well, well, the funny thing about it is, I kind of feel where you're coming from because, as as a writer of of science fiction and stories, I I and Lamar just saw me. I I literally just was sitting and just letting my hand sit on the on the keyboard. So one, it's just great that it's somebody else that does that, and now I don't feel like I'm crazy. <laughs> um and and two just kind of getting that flow that train of thought going that's that's um that's kind of one of those things that I that that I think is really amazing about the writing process what are some other things that you enjoy about the writing process as, as far as being a songwriter and a lyricist Finishing it. <laughs> That's important. Oh boy, as a writer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I enjoy is looking back on a song that maybe I wrote years ago, and and that the words sort of taking me right back to that time. You know, like even if it wasn't such a great time, sometimes for me just the sort of retrospect is a gift, you know, to be able to look back on something and go, wow, I've grown so much from, from that place where I was, you know, and I'm happy to see the growth. Um, I'm, you know, so glad I came out of that anger or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> it was, you know? Um, so I think that's, for me, that's the, that's my favorite part. I mean, and I also love, you know, if, if by chance I have a lyric, that to me is kind of clever or a really great, you know, use of alliteration or, or something, you know, I love, I love that. I love listening to things like that because I just love words and I love language, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, Sai, what we're going to yeah. do right now is we're going to take there, a... Or if there's like an inside, if there's like an inside, inside thing that's mm -hmm. happening in the phrase, you know, or in the lyric and, and it's like one of the, it's like a secret 
door, you know, in a house, and I and only I know it's there. I love that too, you know. Like when I just have something really inside, and it's like, you know, only I'll know that. Well, that's pretty dope. <laughs> I, love, I love hiding, hiding little Easter eggs for myself. You know, for people to find out. That's dope. Um, what we're gonna <laughs> do right now is we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna pay some bills. And we're going to get back and we're going to talk to you a little bit more about the creative process and just finding out what's on what what do you have in store for us and in, in, in the future and things like that. So uh, okay. this is the Foresight Podcast and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, guys, what's up? DKG72 here, better known as David Gordon. Now, you know, at the end of every video, in every vlog, in every podcast, I'm asking you guys to go over to Patreon, choose a tier, click the link in the description below. All that good stuff. The reason I'm asking you to do that is because Patreon is one of the ways that can help support the studio and allow us to create the magical content that we do as far as vlogs, special videos, podcasts, everything. Let's spice things up a little bit. I'm going to add a new tier. The new tier is going to be $15. What are you going to get with the $15 tier? Well, you're going to get all the rewards that come with the tiers below, which would be the $10 and $5 tier. And you're also going to get a brand new perk. How about this, guys? Pay $15 a month, support the channel, and you'll get the Foresight Podcast one week ahead of time, every week moving forward. So that means if uh, we're interviewing somebody for next week, you're going to get that this week. So everybody, head on over to Patreon, DKG72Comics. The link will be in the description below, as always. Choose that $15 tier or the $20 tier and above, and uh, you'll be able to get the Foresight Podcast one week ahead of time, moving forward, starting next week. All right, guys. It's your boy, DKG72, and I'm out. Five, four, three, two. All right, guys. We're back, and we are talking to Miss Cy Smith, and we were talking about the creative process and you were just you were really um giving kind of a master class on just what it is to be a writer and a lyricist and i know that you you write songs and everything like that and i know that you 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 do acting and you you and your husband are, are actors um have you written like scripts and or or television shows or movies or is that something that you may be looking forward to doing in the future I have not written any scripts or, or TV show ideas or pilots or anything like that. I'm always coming up with silly sketches that, that you know, my husband and I can do, but we've never done them. But I'm always like, I got a sketch idea. <laughs> I got a sketch <laughs> idea. And one of these days I'm gonna write one of these things down. But usually I, I'm, I'm really, really silly. Like I can't reiterate how silly I am. I am one of the silliest people that you might ever meet if you really got to know me. So my husband knows me very well. So, uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for him, he has to <laughs> every idea of silliness that comes across my head, you know? <laughs> it, it, it seems but like it. Oh, go, go, go. Yeah, I, I haven't written one yet. Maybe I will one. It just seems like the two of you all have like a beautiful chemistry together. Like when you all are like doing stuff like on screen, it just seems like you all just naturally like flow together. Like you can you can see there's 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 love there and that you all enjoy with what you're doing and stuff, which is cool. 
Yeah, I'm glad you see that. I we do. He's you know, he's my husband and all, but he's actually just one of my favorite directors to work with. And and he's directed a lot of music videos for me. Um, and, you know, and, and obviously you've seen the sketch shows. Um, so we've done a lot of those together. And he's just, you know, one of the best directors I've ever worked with, you know, and I'm not just saying that because he's my husband. I'm saying that as an actor, when you have a director whom you can trust, you know, will mm -hmm. always make sure he gets the best performance out of you. He or she gets the best performance out of you or will always use the best cut or, you know, your best angles, you know, all of that. They think, they're thinking of everything. Like, all I have to do is be in front of the camera and perform, you know, do, mm -hmm. the, do, do the lines or, you know, do the character or whatever. And I can trust that he's going to get the best take, you know, and edit it like a mother. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So he does the editing, editing process too. That's dope. Um, he does, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, so it's with really cool. Yeah, having edited film, I mean, it's not fun. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. I don't envy editors at all. But you know, I guess it's like anything. You know, if you're if if that's just something you're good at, you just end up being good at it. You know, I'm sure that there's some editors that are like, "Ain't no way I'd ever be an actor." You know. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> or there's. No no way I would ever play a horn or whatever, you know, like, that's crazy. You put the thing on your mouth and you blow, that's crazy. I don't even understand how that works, you know. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool that there is a place for, like, everybody to find. There's, a, there's so many places for anybody who's interested in fine arts to participate. There's so many places to participate, you know, if you want to. You know, you just got to find your tribe. That's true. No, that's very true. Very true. Yeah. So, I know um, Lamar was talking about you um, playing in, playing in a band and that you play instruments. So, kind of a two part question. I wanted to know what instruments do you play, and then, um, as somebody that's never been in a band and been in that that type of environment, what is the band experience like? What is what is that like? Um, okay, the first part of your question is easy. I only play keys. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. Because <laughs> he he mentioned key bass, because you know, but that's still keys. Um, what is it like to be in a band? Hmm. You know, I, I think it's very much like having a crew of friends. It, especially if you are a band who has played together a lot, you know, and for a few years, you know, together. It's like having a crew of friends that you had when you were a kid on the playground and all of you get along. And sometimes a couple of you get along better than the, the other couple. Sometimes <laughs> a couple of y'all fight, and, you know, but usually y'all all just come to the playground and throw the football around and it's a really good time. Like, that's what it's like, you know, um, as you get older you know when you become an adult you watch your friends have kids and you watch each other get married and you know so there's that part of the experience too um but it's also like the band is only as good as the weakest person in the band you know mm. so everybody is really the goal is for everybody to be shown in their best light you know because nobody's gonna be like uh well i, I shouldn't say nobody but you know if 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 the band is whack, usually it's because one person is whack, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, nobody's going to be like, that triangle player really didn't know what they were doing. You know? <laughs> that band was whack. So, you know, you're just trying to, everybody in the band is usually trying to make each other great, you know, and make sure, you know, each other sounds great. And that's been my experience for the most part, you know. I've been in a couple of, you know, tours where it wasn't as great as some other ones. Um, and, you know, you just take that lesson and move on, you know, because everybody can't be Ricky Minor. Right. <laughs> you know, and everybody can't be, you know, everybody can't be that very top thing. Everybody can't be Michelle and Diggio Cello. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, everybody can't be DJ Quick, for that matter. Quick. Um, one of my favorite but, DJs I and mean, one of my favorite producers, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. say that louder for the people in the back. Hey, one of my favorite, favorite. If you don't know who DJ <laughs> Quick is, um, well, I don't know what to tell you. Quick's melodies are just. And him playing, Woo! like, I, I loved him when he was even on tour with Snoop. A lot of people didn't realize he was over there playing, doing Man. all that keyboard work live. Killing. Yep. Killing it. Yep. He's one of the he's one of the best um, ever. I put that on everything. Oh, but damn. yeah, you know, so it's so being in a band is like you know just having a really close crew of friends and everybody's trying to make everybody sound great. You know, that's dope. Well, with uh, with everything that's been going on, it seems like you've been finding different ways to stay creative. Uh, you know, like you've been putting out different songs with uh, different people. Um, like during this time, like how do you feel like your creativity is either grown or it's been kind of held back during our COVID situation right now? Um, you know, it's been interesting. I, Lamar, like I go through phases where I'm really like, oh, I, I want to go upstairs and record because I, I usually do my recording upstairs. I, I'm going to go upstairs and record. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I go through phases where I just don't want to do anything. And I, and I'll say to my husband, I want to have a lazy day today. I don't feel like creating, you know, and that might last, you know, a week. It just, for me, it just goes through phases. And and I think at first, when the pandemic first happened, I was very much um, put off, you know, because I'm so used to being on the road. And I'm so used to working and I'm so used to being on stage and I'm the hardest working this, that and the other, you know, and I'm so used to hearing that from other people that I had put my own self-worth in my product, my level of productivity, mm. you know, and That's when I hard. couldn't produce the way I want to produce and the way I'm used to producing, I started thinking there was something wrong with me, you know, um, but by maybe by June or July, I had sort of gotten into the swing of saying, you know what, you are not the sum of all the things you do, you know, stop putting your self-worth into that. Like, you know, I, my value is not my work. My value is who I am as a person, being a good person, you know, um, and everything else can come later. You know what I mean? Uh, and once I did that, I think I was able to sort of freely think about different ways to create, like, I don't normally record myself. Well, I didn't before the pandemic, but now I do. Like oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I usually just go to the studio and record because like that's the way I, I that's the way I work. You know, I don't like engineering myself. Uh, but I had to pull myself out of that, you know, and just start doing the thing that I hate the most, which is engineering. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, um, and you know, and then I pulled my Fender Rhodes down to the. Down from upstairs down here to the great room just so I could practice more um, 
And then, you know, I was sort of freeballing with my husband, you know, just ideas. And, you know, I, I was like, you know, it would be nice to maybe do some performances in the backyard. You know, I miss putting on my dresses, you know, and, and, and just performing. So we were like, okay, let's do something and we'll call it Gowns in the Garden. And so, I, wow. you know, I, I just released my first episode of Gowns in the Garden. And it's just me in the yard playing my Fender Rhodes in a really pretty dress, you know. And then um, uh, my good friend, Marquel Jordan, joins me on saxophone and vocals. And it's and it's just nice. And, it, you know, we, we decorated, the you know, the garden and they gave me something to do, you know, planting flowers and, and you know, cultivating and growing things and getting my, my hands dirty. Um and then I did another project with my girl, Rachel Eckroth, um, that she wrote and produced. I, I co-wrote it with her, but she produced it. Uh, she's a fantastic keyboard player. She used to play with Chris Bode, and she plays with Rufus Wainwright, and she's just super dope. Anyway, she wrote and produced it, sent it to me. I finished writing it and recorded it and sent it back to her, and she was like, ah, I love this. And then she went and produced it some more, and the next thing I know, we have a whole single, and and I was like, I love this song. We should we should do a video. So she was like, okay. And then she came up with the concept for a video, and we shot it right here in the house. Me and my husband, right here in front of a green screen, you know. And again, it was like, okay. And then and then we sent the footage to a guy in Bogota, Colombia, and he did all this beautiful animation around what we shot. And the next thing you know, we have a full fledged video, you know. Um, and it was all created while we were still in quarantine, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, so this whole thing, the whole pandemic has, at first it was stressful, you know, for, for the obvious reasons, you know, a lot of us aren't working, um, you know, and the the financial obligations are like, ah, it's real life. But the, the different ways that I have found to be creative and productive, um, like, I'm like, oh, wow, I, it's going to be hard to turn back to what we were before this now. Like, I, I feel like I'm a better creator now, you know, than I was even before, you know, or different, you know, I should say different, maybe not better, but just different. Um, and that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. I think the pandemic has created way more independent creators and people are are really kind of stepping out on their own and not relying on the old systems anymore right. to kind of facilitate that. Do you feel right. like, as an entrepreneur, do you feel like that this has also allowed you to like grow, uh, grow your brand and your business a little bit more, like just reaching out to just having time to even reach out and communicate with more fans? Yeah, it's, it's not only allowed me to, it sort of forced me to, you know, and and that's okay you know like sometimes we need the little light you know the match under our butt to get us to you know get out there and what we what we keep telling ourselves we're going to do so i definitely have been you know pushing my rose fist line and my albums and you know and i've been doing live stream shows you know i started doing live stream shows almost as soon as the world shut down you were the first person i saw do that too but oh wow you really? Were, you were on it. I was like, man, don't take a break. Just own it. <laughs> well, you know, that first show that I did was a fundraiser for um, a 
center here called the um, Fernando Pullum Community Arts Center. And Fernando is a band leader who teaches young kids, you know, how to be professional musicians. Um, mm. And I, I have been wanting to do something for his organization for years. And when the world shut down, it was finally a chance for me to sit still. And the first thing I said was, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, you know, fundraiser for Fernando, you know, and and we raised five thousand dollars. And he didn't even know I was doing it, wow. you know. Oh wow! And I called him up. <laughs> I called him up when I, when the money was raised and was like, hey, <laughs> I raised some money for your community arts center. And I also know that whenever things like this happen in the world, the first cuts that happen are, are the arts, yeah. you know, yeah. the music and the choirs and the bands and the drama departments, you know, and those are the kids that, that really get the shaft. Um, and I hear so many people talking about kids missing out on sports, but I'm like, what about these choirs and bands? Like, it's you terrible. Can't teach that on Zoom, you know, um, so so it you know so I'm really happy to be able to I'm happy to have the time to sit down and be still and and give back in that kind of way. Yeah, I always say I wish America appreciated the arts as much, just equally as much as they do sports, because there's a lot of kids yeah. that don't do you know they're not sports, but they're artists and singers and writers and dancers and 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 we you know those kids want the same amount of coaching and fervor that you know the guy that can dunk the basketball or run a, or throw a football 100 miles away they they want the same type of support i'm i mean you know the first thing people did when the world shut down was you know load up their fire sticks or get netflix accounts or whatever and and those tv shows and movies and all those things that we watched wouldn't be possible without you know, those Oof. actors don't just come out of nowhere. Those film scores don't just come out of nowhere. You right. know, those those performances don't just come out of nowhere. They're cultivated in high, you know, in middle school and high school, and and you know, community theater and and you know, city orchestras and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it's I'm very much you know a fervent supporter of not just the music, you know, but all of the arts, you know, because because these are the things that everybody turned to, you know, mm -hmm. when <laughs> these are the things that everyone turns to whenever there is distress, you know. So I work still at a Jazz St. Louis and Jazz Academy. Shout out to Carlos Scooter Brown, my boss. <laughs> He's actually the saxophonist yeah. that played with us too. Uh, a great musician. Oh, yeah. and, and we actually have, uh, I think we've got like 10 students. Uh, what advice would you give to a middle schooler uh, right now to like, you know, what should they be doing? Should they, I know sometimes it gets like boring looking at stuff online, doing this and doing that. But like, if yeah. they're really thinking about getting into music, I got one guy, uh, kid Andrew, who's like uh, into videography and he actually mm -hmm. wants to do videography and score movies and stuff. What advice would you give to them to be doing right now? Mm. Well, you know, practice, 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 you know, for anybody who is a performer, I would definitely say practice. Now, if he is a videographer, you know, he should, he should, you know, lay out a storyboard and make a, make a short film, you know, and then score it if, if he's into scoring. And, and it doesn't, when I say short, it doesn't have to be long, you know, really three, three to five minutes, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and practice, you know, do it. He can edit that thing until it's the very best it's going to be. Um, if, if, 
kids are performers, I would say, you know, practice every day. I know it gets boring, but you know, you got to get those 10,000 hours in and, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and practice, practice up leading up to something like, maybe plan to do a concert for your family in the house, you know, and just let them know, hey, on, you know, October 1st, I'm going to do a concert at, you know, at dinner, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be long. It can be 15, 20 minutes. And, and then you have something to work up to. If you don't want to do that for your family, do an online concert, you know, if, if, if they have a social media account, you know, if they're allowed to, you know, I don't want to step over any parents' <laughs> line, but if, if their parents allow them to have a social media account, you know, maybe they could do an online broadcast. Again, short, 15, 20 minutes, you know, um, and they can invite all their family to come and watch their, their live stream performance, send out a link for everybody. But that way they have something that they're working towards, you know, and when when they're putting putting together their concert, you know, they have to take into consideration the arc of their show things the story they want to tell you know all of those things it's not just about playing songs you know it's about it's about the story they wanted to tell in that 15 20 minutes so so i i would definitely encourage thinking about that um and you know and and then if they can there's so many live performances happening uh online I would definitely encourage them to check out, you know, the other orchestras around the world that are doing shows, you know, mm-hmm. join some mailing lists for, you know, not just places or things happening in St. Louis, but cities that they might want to move to later in life, you know, Berlin, uh, Amsterdam, whatever, you know, the world is open to everybody right now, even though we're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's real how it's weird how that works, but. But online, the world is open for everybody. And I would definitely encourage them to check out some of the live performances offered by different orchestras around the world, different um, operas, uh, different jazz clubs, all of them, you know? Yeah. Sound advice. Sound advice. Well, Cy, uh, (laughs) once again, we'd like to just thank you for coming on to the show and spending some time with us and dropping some bars. And and you gave us a little melody. (laughs) I mean... Uh, this was first for the podcast right here. You know, this might take us to the top of the world. <laughs> top of the world, mom. <laughs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> so, real quick, what's next for for size for for size Smith? What's next? Is it music? Is it a, is it television? Um, what's next? I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but. This Friday, September 25th, I'm doing a Michael Jackson tribute on my Stage It um, platform. Stageit.com is, is a website where performers, all kinds of performers do concerts. So nobody is going to interrupt like Facebook and, and you know, oh. get you the licensing and like that. This is where musicians go to perform. So Stageit.com. And if they, you know, if your listeners miss my performance there they can still follow me there and that way they'll know when i'm going to perform there again because this is like my third show there uh i did i did 80s r&b jams last month and yeah so it's it's a fun it's a fun little thing um and then i think either october 9th or 10th i'm going to be doing a live stream show with my um dc trio from baltimore and again you guys are the first one first ones to hear about this i haven't exclusive (laughs) Uh, it's awesome. Is it go-go uh, music? Go-go? It's, 
It won't be, but uh, oh, I don't man, really know what the show is going to be yet. I haven't figured it out. Like, I was thinking about, because I'm doing a Michael Jackson tribute on on Friday, I was thinking maybe I'll do my Janet show. I do a jazz Jan, I do a jazz tribute to Janet Jackson. Really? That's wow. <laughs> I want to go. And I haven't done it in a while. So I might do that, um, which could be really cool. Um and let's see what else and i got some new music with my man zoe i don't know when we're going to release it but i think we're going to release it before the end of the year so we'll see that's cool well that's dope um this podcast actually will will actually be missed we'll we'll miss the stage performance uh it will go up um next week but uh the back room beats will definitely shout it out like starting tomorrow yes we'll definitely (laughs) shout it out and and, but (laughs) But that's also a good information to know about staging because I think that's some place that, you know, we can help blow up because I, I just like that idea. Uninterrupted performances, you know, you don't have to worry about the licenses or anything like that. So that's that's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. And you sell tickets there just like you would anywhere. And you can create the size of your venue. You can choose your capacity, all of that good stuff. And then people in in the venue, once they come to your show, they leave tips, like whenever you hit them notes that they like, you know. So it's a lot of fun. You can interact with your audience, and it's it's really a good time. That's cool. Well, that sounds dope. Well, Sai, once again, we want to thank you for coming on to the show. Yes. And um, let's go ahead and um, we want to wrap things up. Uh, my name's David Gordon. I am uh, the founder of foresight studio and uh you can always reach me at dkg72 on instagram uh uh twitter and all of those places on youtube on the dkg72 youtube channel uh also if you guys would like to support the the studio and all the things that we're doing through the podcast please subscribe to us on anchor um please support us through patreon lamar how can people reach you well before me where can they reach you at sir oh that's right oh um well, everybody can reach me at www.sizesmith.com um, if you want to get like vinyl or my Rose Fist t-shirts or journals or anything like that, autograph vinyl, you go to cyberspace.bigcartel.com and that's cyberspace with an S, S-Y-P-E-R-S-A-C-E dot bigcartel.com. On Instagram and on Twitter, I am at cyberspace. And on Facebook, on Facebook.com slash Music. And get your rose mask, too. You need that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll definitely be following Sai on everything. Uh, you guys definitely do that. <laughs> Lamar? And you can catch me at LamarHarris314. Follow me. Uh, and also visit the website, TheLamarHarris.com. And the Backroom Beats podcast happening Tuesday through Friday and until I get exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely we'll, we, we, we'll promise that you're not going to get exhausted uh, so guys again just look for the podcast we are on Spotify um, Google Pods all those places Side, thank you one more time Lamar we did it again we did we did thank so, you so much fellas oh, no, thank you thank you thank you so I'm David Gordon that's Lamar Harris this is the Foresight Podcast and we will holler at you all later peace, peace.